inside, Kempe dishes in front, another sliding catch saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding, catch save, Robin Leonard, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Dan Duva and Gary Lawless will have the call on the VGK Radio Network, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Tomorrow night, Game 5, the winner takes a 3-2 series lead in the Stanley Cup semifinals. We will uh, have the VGK Insider Show 4-5 to five tomorrow night, uh, getting you set uh, for this one. And uh, we, we, we can't wait for it, Ryan. It's going to be fun as we uh, get set and uh, ready and rock and roll uh, going into the back half of this best of three series. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about tomorrow. I think it's a great opportunity in front of the Golden Knights and and one that, you know, you've got home ice advantage for a best of 3 series. You you don't want to waste any opportunities and you know, I think the Golden Knights uh, have have every every opportunity in front of them to get to their game, to to establish their game and and I feel like Trying to get a gauge on this series has been difficult, but I, I like the Golden Knights a lot tomorrow night. Uh, two different styles, very different approaches uh, to this game. And, and, and you're dancing with the one that you brought. And that's what the Vegas Golden Knights are trying to do and break through with, uh, with the skilled players, uh, a heavier team, but skilled players, and put the puck in the net. Montreal will give you some space, but takes away the middle and counter punches with the speed. And they've been effective with that uh, in game three the speed was able to put the game away uh, for the Montreal Canadiens uh, with a breakaway goal and and then the goal on the 2 on 0 in overtime last night the speed got an opportunity on a couple of occasions and Robin Leonard came up with a big save to avoid falling behind to nothing it's Interesting that we call the Vegas Golden Knights a resilient team, given that they led the National Hockey League with 40 wins this year. But I don't think the word is miscast when it hangs over the Golden Knights this year. No, it's not. It's a team that I think has kind of had to battle and, and fight through a bit, quite a lot, actually, throughout the regular season. And, you know, when... When we look at the Golden Knights throughout this year coming back in in winning games in which they were trailing going into the third period or having to win in different ways depending on the opponent or depending on the night, um, you don't necessarily look at that in the moment as something that will benefit you or help you down the stretch because with the expectations on the Golden Knights this year, you just expected them to go out and dominate every single game that they played. It's not realistic. You're going to have moments where the opposition is pushing back and making it difficult. And I think for the Golden Knights, their ability all year long to be able to deal with that adversity, to be able to, to deal with those pockets where they, they didn't have their game but still come up with wins is serving them incredibly well here in the playoffs. And it's two teams that... This deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're seeing trends and uh, responses uh, to challenges in the team. And you start to, and, and, and I do it, I'm so guilty of this when it comes to Montreal, uh, talking about the ghosts. 
and their influence. I know they're not at the form anymore, <laughs> but the ghosts. And and when you see a play like you did uh, in in game three, where the puck just yeah. bounces weird, and and Mark Andre Fleury has the has it go through his feet from behind the net, and Josh Anderson happens to be right there in front of the net. I I can't help myself but think, okay, there's one of those moments where you look back and go, uh, the ghosts had an influence on that. But then last night, you go for the Vegas Golden Knights, this this franchise in its fourth year, trying to get back into a, a Stanley Cup final for the second time, and the chips are down, and everything's leaning towards the opposition in a crucial moment. You have a player, uh, one of the uh, originals, and a player that's, he, while he was a first-year Golden Knight, kind of flies under the radar of of Carlson and Smith and and uh, and and Marcia So, uh, but is still part of those that misfit group. Comes up and scores the goal, and I immediately jump to that's the moment, or that's one of the moment, one one of the moments because Marcia So had one in, in the first round, and and the Golden Knights played such an incredible second round. Um, they both. In, in this run have had those, wow, turning point on the way to championship series moments. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. In, in terms of the Braden McNabb goal, that's definitely a moment that's going to stand above the rest. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go back in this game, last night's game, to one that happened just a, a little bit earlier than that Braden McNabb goal, and that is the save Robin Leonard makes on Nick Suzuki, or I'm sorry, on Cole Caulfield. And it's it's important for a number of reasons. One, it keeps it a one goal game, but two, it's essentially a, a you know it's a partial breakaway, more or less a type a, like a, like a shootout. And Robin Leonard absolutely closes the door, and that save is gigantic in the in the context of the game. And you get that type of goaltending. It it I think spurs some belief in this in the lineup that you know we just need one, we just need one, and then less than about two minutes later, the Golden Knights find themselves tied, and, and that was a huge moment for me. Uh, not as flashy as the save-up Brock Besser in Game 7 in the bubble. No. But just as impactful. And you can say uh, at times that a shooter will, will miss his shot on a breakaway mm -hmm. or an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Cole Caulfield did exactly what he wanted to do, and I loved the, the response uh, post game from Robin Leonard talking about the pre scout that uh, that he went through with with Mike Rosati, uh, the goalie coach, and and Mark Andre Fleury, and how uh, Caulfield likes to go high or he likes to go five hole, and his like he was shutting that down. That was Robin Leonard making a save, not Cole Caulfield just missing his shot and trying to uh, slide it through. But the whole conversation starts about resiliency, and Jonathan Marcheseau was asked about that and this group this morning. Uh, I think it starts for us uh, as of year one. I think we're a resilient team. We don't quit. Uh, we don't uh, necessarily accept defeat. Uh, and we uh, we just keep going. We just keep battling. We, we You never know what can happen in a, in a playoff game. And you got to give yourself a chance. And for that, we had to, to at least score one goal to do that. And we were, uh, it was a big goal. Uh, Yesterday with Naber and it's it followed up with Roisy. I think uh, it was a good road win. The goaltender is often credited with buying time for mm -hmm. the team. Uh, yeah. Mark Andre Fleury's done that several occasions uh, during the Stanley Cup playoff run. Uh, 
do you think the blue line has done that for the big guys, the top uh, top six during this series? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it, they, they've been everything you could possibly ask for uh, as a unit on the back end for the Golden Knights. Like, they're coming up with gigantic goals. Seven of the ten goals in this series have been scored by defensemen. Alex Petrangelo's got three, nearly had another <laughs> last night on the power play, which would have been something. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the defense for the Golden Knights, the production that they've had, their ability to kind of shut things down uh, through the series as well has, has bought time for the forwards to kind of pick up their production. And and now they've got a best-of-three series to find the back of the net. The Vegas Golden Knights can win this series without the top six. They, they've, mm-hmm. They're halfway there. They can possibly do it. But I tell you what, it gets a whole lot easier if the big guys step up. Back to Jonathan Marcheseau with comments about the Stars scoring. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's great that it's already that we tied a series yesterday, but at some point uh, the big guys are going to kind of have to come out and step up here, uh, including myself. Uh, I think it's not, it's not good enough for, for the forward group that we have to, to have only three goals in four games. Uh, obviously we're facing, we're facing an unbelievable goalie, but that's no excuse. It's the same thing last year against Vancouver, Dallas. It's the same thing. We've got to find a way and stop, and, and we don't have any excuses. We need solution ASAP, and we need to uh, to help our, our, our team win some games there. Ryan, we saw the confidence that Montreal gained by the fluky goal scored by Josh Anderson to force overtime in Game 3 because the mm-hmm. game was, was much more hotly contested uh, from that point on and then in overtime and Montreal taking the game and, and a 2-1 series lead. And... Carrying that momentum over to Game Four, where Montreal was was the better team territorially, uh, I'm I'm curious, how much do you think Vegas takes the confidence from surviving Game Four and pulling out and tying the series, and how much that transitions and carries over? I, I, I know Ed Green is going to get mad at me here, but momentum <laughs> uh, into Game Five, and maybe it's mo- not momentum. Maybe I use the word confidence, but they kind of mean the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm not going to like go hard on semantics right now when it comes to confidence or momentum. Whatever it is you believe that, that the Golden Knights can pull from the ending of Game 4 and utilize for Game 5, I think it's there. I, I do. I, I would like to say that the Golden Knights are going to come out and they're going to press the issue and they're going to establish their game, have a strong forecheck, pin the Montreal Canadiens in their own zone and go to work on Carey Price. I'd love to see that happen in Game 5. And to be honest, I think it has to because we know how important Game 5 is within the context of a series. And this is, again, an opportunity for the Golden Knights to to kind of bring what they did well at the end of Game 4 and utilize it to their advantage at the beginning of Game 5. Here's Alex Petrangelo on returning on the strength of a victory. Well, yeah, I think it gives you confidence that... Uh... You know, in, in our game, especially that we feel like as, as games go on, uh, whether we're up or down, we have a chance to win. I think the way we play uh, gives us that opportunity. So I guess uh, you always want to be up to start a game. Certainly that's the way we always draw it up. But uh, if we stick to the game plan, we feel like as the game progresses, we have a good opportunity. On Alex Petrangelo, let's do a deeper dive here, Ryan. 
Uh, okay. I talked to uh, our buddy Carlo Coliacovo yesterday. Okay. Uh, remember, remember, Carlo was was like our insider when yes. when the the Vegas Golden Knights were were wooing Alex uh, over the course of free agency, and he he was on with us three times, and and talking about uh, one the person, the player, and the impact. And one of the first texts I got yesterday after the win, because your phone always blows up, win or lose, uh, people are always uh, sending you notes, either trying to give you a little bit of a jab or or, or talking uh, about a great win. And one of the first texts that I got from Carlo uh, yesterday was talking about uh, how he said, I told you how impactful he would be. But he went on <laughs> to say, and, and, and okay, I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him that, but I could have said that. The, sure. the, the guy's a, a big name player. He's an Olympian. We, we expected him to be impactful. But Carlo went on to say he's never, and, and he knows uh, Petro from the earliest days, said he's never seen him play better, never seen him uh, uh, handle the minutes better, uh, never seen him more aggressive, uh, and, and commented how much he, he, uh, he appears to be, this is Alex, uh, loving watch, uh, playing in this offensive format uh, and system. But the fact that, that Carlo Koliakovo says he's never seen Alex Petrangelo play better is, is a real statement uh, to somebody who knows the player and knows the person really well. Yeah, 100%. I, I think Petrangelo has been so, so good for the Golden Knights in this playoff run. And, you know, I I... I'm sitting here looking at the numbers for Petrangelo in 23 points in 41 games, which is is not like when when we talk about a down year or or that that idea is floated out there. You sit back and you think about it. You're like, oh, okay. Well, let's go look up the numbers, and I'm expecting it to be not even in the 20s, maybe mid mid teens. And then all of a sudden, you sit there and you say, Alex Petrangelo, if he was healthy and and had a, a full season, wouldn't be too too far off from his traditional numbers. And then you look at what he's been able to do in the playoffs. He's been so good at relieving pressure when he goes back to retrieve a puck. He's been so good at jumping into the rush when it's warranted. And he's been incredible at pinching in the offensive zone and creating some chaos down low. Also, the guy just will not pass up a shot. And in yeah. a series where you need to get pucks to the front of the net, that's so valuable. I thought that you know in, in the Colorado series, Alex Petrangelo is the best Golden Knight skater on the ice, and I think that he's just been so, so dominant for the Golden Knights um, throughout this entire postseason run. Let's get Carlo on uh, later on this week. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can uh, grab him back and, and just get a little bit more insight. But here's the text. Buddy, I'm telling you, this is Carlo Koliakvo uh, to me last night. Buddy, I'm <laughs> telling you, this is the best I've ever seen him play. He's always wanted to play in a more offensive team with more freedom, and now I see why. I told you he's a difference maker. He's a genetic freak. And he's <laughs> the part about pinching, when you talk about pinching, that like yeah. there's there's pinching. And then there's like pinching and carrying the puck all the way down low around the net and behind and, and up top again. And always being a threat to either shoot it, which you mentioned, loves getting mm-hmm. the puck to the net, or passing it uh, to a net front. No. Uh, and, and that that gives you a little bit of uh, confidence. I'm, I'm curious to see where his game goes the rest of this series as we hit that stage where those deposits that you make physically in a series mm-hmm. with yep. the big bodies. And Montreal's made some too. Like their 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 size shouldn't be uh, under uh, appreciated or understated with that back end. We we start reaching that point of the series where you can start making those withdrawals 
from uh, the the positive you've made physically. One hundred percent, and you know it, it's going to be interesting again to kind of see what the energy level is from both teams in terms of game five when you factor in all the hits when you factor in the amount of hockey that both teams have played though the the golden knights have played more than the montreal canadians and and then you factor in the flights right like we're we're talking about the travel and and it's an important aspect in this series especially without like a a designated travel day and then another day to kind of recover before going Mm -hmm. into a game um this is it's going to be a bit of a grind in in game five and you know you hope that the amount of leaning, the amount of work that you've done down low will start to pay dividends here toward the uh, the latter half of the series. Well, the first time that Vegas went to the Eastern time zone in 16 months, they mm-hmm. played a really good game and yeah. ended up losing game three, but played a really good game. Now, remember, this is the first time in 16 months that Vegas returns from the Eastern time zone to play a game. Now, the, the actual start time of the games is only off by an hour. Sure. So I, I, do we play, do we put too much into that? Sometimes I think so. But your clock's the clock. And mm-hmm. as long as it's not going backwards, right, Ryan? It's, uh, it's on, the, on the same level. Uh, and and we, you, you kind of oh, get used you. to where, where, where you are. Uh, I love you, too. Uh, but I, <laughs> I'm curious to see how what, what, what starts just from that perspective tomorrow night. But Pete DeBoer is on the record this morning talking about trying to take advantage of home ice. Well, it's, it's a huge swing game, uh, but it's only a swing game if we take advantage of it. You know, it's a two out of three now with, with two of the games in our building. Uh, and we have to take advantage of that home ice advantage that we worked all season to have. Home ice advantage, best two of three. And Rita, in our number one, if you missed uh, any of the phone calls, uh, <laughs> you, you got to go back and, and check them out. And Rita, again, a pure pistol, just loving it, bringing the heat, uh, giving it to callers last night, but also uh, dropping in uh, some, some knowledge on us and how uh, Vegas had never clinched a series on home ice before, did it against Minnesota, followed up, closed out the Colorado Avalanche on home ice at T-Mobile Arena in round number two. Now... And now, now the goal is try and win it on the road by winning the yeah. next two games. And uh, it's been a back-and-forth series with momentum swings. It should favor Vegas right now. It mm-hmm. should. But, like, the other semifinal between Tampa Bay and, and the New York Islanders, every game is its own little uh, microcosm uh, of, a, of a season. So uh, I, I still favor the more talented team. Uh, Dominic Ducharme still not back uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, so they'll they'll play a, a third straight game uh, with Luke Richardson. Uh, he's got to match a little bit more if he wants to match. I'll be curious to see how Montreal handles that. Uh, will Chandler Stevenson be back? There's a lot of things that are going to change potentially uh, in Game Five that that coaching staff with Sean Burke and Luke Richardson and Alex Burrows haven't had to deal with so far. Yeah, like how much does it like when we talked about the impact of of not having Dominic Ducharme in you know in game number three, it it felt like in that moment that game it, it wasn't going to be 
this this gigantic shift for the players. But like as as you go deeper and deeper into the series without your coach, how much more of of an impact is it going to have with each successive game? I don't think it's like I think um, Luke Richardson can coach. He's yeah. ran a bench at the pro level. He can coach. Uh, it's a little different with Alex Burrows and and then Sean Burke, who's the goalie coach but has aspirations really to become a manager, uh, uh, being on on the uh, on the front lines and changing the D and and going through that type of situation. Now, if you get into a game, Ryan and and they've. Mm-hmm. And Sean, uh, this was the case before Sean got there, but uh, 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 like they've gone really heavy with a with a four guy rotation on their back end. You have to yeah. find at least some time, some minutes for the other guys, and they've done a, a job in in filtering in Gustafson and, and and Merrill and and sliding them in. But they've gone with a with a heavier rotation of of top four. That's where coaching and, and Ryan McGill, who's ran the defense forever uh, with, with the Vegas Golden Knights, just would have a little bit more feel on being able to, to work his, his six defensemen in and around in a playoff series. That's an advantage that I think Vegas may be able to take advantage of uh, with two of the three games on home ice. Yeah, and then the other the other kind of thought process in terms of game five and it goes back to the conversation that we had on on Chandler Stevenson is if there you know that you get last change you know that if you want to kind of chase a matchup if you're Pete DeBoer you can are you more inclined understanding the the where the Montreal Canadiens are at in terms of of their coaching staff do you, are you more inclined to load up your top six, put Alex Tuck back up there, or are you looking for more balance uh, in order to try to take advantage of some matchups down the lineup? Like that, that's kind of where I'm intrigued by how Pete DeBoer approaches the game should Chandler Stevenson not be able to play tomorrow night. I expect Tuck to be on the third line. Yeah. And I, but here's the switch that that I would lean towards is okay. that. Pete DeBoer's not a big matchup guy. He loves rolling his his three lines and sliding in the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Does that a lot. Does not chase matchups. If Chandler Stevenson's not back for game yeah. five, Ryan, I mm-hmm. think Pete DeBoer spends more time matching with the Montreal Canadiens than he normally would when he's got three full lines to work with. That's that's my expectation. That's what I'll be watching for, to see if if he does more work on that front to get the the matchups instead of just uh, relying on the athletes who are with their regular line mates uh, to go out and get the job done. Um, sometimes it's it, you can get lost in matchups and it gets disruptive, uh, but in this case, when your top six are having trouble getting going, and if Chandler Stevenson isn't playing, I. I'm curious whether he chases that a little bit more. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to kind of take game five as its own microcosm. Yeah. We we spend a lot of time, it, and and rightfully so, I think, talking about momentum and confidence and all that. But there's there's an interesting situation for Pete DeBoer in terms of what he chooses to do from a matchup perspective in game five if you really want to chase it that might be the game where you go for it and if it sparks something uh, for mark stone or, or max Pacioretty or 
the misfit line, like that is net positive for the Vegas Golden Knights. Here's here's the Pete DeBoer factor too. Uh, Stanley Cup final with the New Jersey Devils. There was one goalie and one goalie he was playing. And uh, that guy is a Hall of Famer. Uh, I can't even tell you who the backup was on that club. I, I, I can't. And guess what? I was there. I can't tell you who the backup was. Uh, on, I was on that invested in team. that series. I was invested in that series, and I couldn't tell you. I, okay. Like, for whatever reason, I want to say Scott Wedgwood, but I don't think that's correct. Might have been. That was 2012. No way uh, anybody else was playing in that uh, in that series. In uh, San Jose. Yeah, and it was a guy named Johan Hedberg. Oh, was it the Moose? Yes. Oh, nice. Love it. the Moose. Uh, so in in San Jose, that uh, series against the Golden Knights, I cannot believe that Pete DeBoer didn't take Martin Jones out, which may have been a commentary in my mind on, on Aaron Dell. That's probably unfair. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. Like it's hard to believe that that a goaltender can play as poorly as as Martin Jones did in that series in which Vegas got up three one and there wasn't a goalie change. And I I wasn't here at the time. I was watching it from afar, but uh, 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 watching it closely enough to go. When's he going to change goal? He never did. Martin Jones ends up winning the series. Uh, and it, I know a lot went into it. I know, but he never he never took his starter out uh, last year. The starter, the incumbent, was passed over. And this year, last night, facing a 2-1 series deficit, he makes a change. So uh, there, there's there's coaches who get stuck in their ways, and they're all like Mike Keenan, switching guys all the time, pulling guys all the time. Uh, guys will, Barry Trotz, uh, Dave Tippett, will, will flip-flop, goaltenders. Uh, all the time. They, they're not Joe Quenville, same thing. Pete DeBoer is a, uh, a hybrid. There's times where I expect him to change goaltenders. He doesn't. At times where uh, I expect him to stay with the same guy, and he doesn't. So uh, it's it's. I give him credit. He's like the Yoda. Uh, I said this to Shane Knighty yesterday. <laughs> He's the goalie whisperer. He's Yoda of, of when it comes to goalies because he seems to have a knack for making that right decision, and it's a real art. And it's... Like when you start playing around with goaltenders or switching goaltenders, not playing around with goaltenders, uh, you, you put yourself in a, you put yourself in a position where, like, it's you're in the firing line, and he's he makes the right choices, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's he's made the right choice at every step of the way this postseason, and and like it's it's not even up for debate. It's not even an arguable point here. Every decision that Pete DeBoer has made has has paid him back in that game and in those series. So it's you know for for me like if he makes a decision, if he makes a move in terms of the lineup, I'm trusting that it's going to work out because it just has to this point. They don't lose games because of Pete DeBoer's decisions on goaltending. No, no, not at all. Part of that, Ryan, is the goaltenders themselves. And game one against Colorado, don't even give me that. Don't give me that. But last year in the bubble, game one against Dallas, they didn't lose because Mark Andre Fleury went in there. They didn't. They didn't lose because Pete DeBoer went with uh, with Robin Leonard later on in that series. No, and they didn't lose last night uh, because of uh, Robin Leonard. The coach and the player deserve equal credit there. Uh, we're going to check in on the other side of the bracket, the Stanley Cup semifinal series involving the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, plus, uh, Chapman's got a bee in his bonnet. 
about something that's happening inside the West Division right now. And we'll give him an opportunity to have his two cents uh, worth here. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Go to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. I don't know everything. Yeah, I said it. I don't know everything. How about this for a significant day in VGK history? Chapman, jump in here with that. Well, four years ago today was the expansion draft in which the Vegas Golden Knights, of course, drafted players from every team in the NHL, made some trades, got some deals done, and built the foundation of what has become, I would say, the model franchise in the NHL. I didn't know it was four years ago today. It was hot that day, too. Yeah, that was the NHL awards show that, that day, too. It was. But, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. Um... Who's uh, who's the host of that one? Oh, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that. What what I what I do remember was was it was very uh, cool afterwards because Gary Lawless. I wasn't a big fan of fan of that guy. Who the guy who hosted? Yeah, the yeah, expansion he, draft. Yeah, he seemed a little wordy. <laughs> I don't think Chapman gets it. No, I I, I not the expansion draft. The. Uh, the, we, were the about the expan- we were yeah. talking about the expansion draft. Yeah. The expansion draft was me. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. You didn't know? I, I thought you knew. Listen, I, I I tried to strike it from my memory. Uh, no, I thought I. you were doing a bit. No, he wasn't doing no, a bit. No, I, I... And you know what? I, I think I have pictures somewhere. Catherine Tappan and I did. Well, I, I knew she was part of it because I saw the picture of her oh. this morning. I was like, oh, Catherine Tappan. <laughs> And then, and then I didn't see any pictures of you, so they're probably somewhere. But uh, I was cut out a lot of those pictures. Well, that was probably a good thing. Chapman. Uh, little, little did I, I know. You were doing a bit. No. No, oh, I, 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 completely. And you know, here's the be- here's the best part. I can't even, I can't even make fun of him because I'm still. No, no, no. I, I'm still silent. I'll give you an exception here. No, you, no, you, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. I signed the deal. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to make an executive decision. I just have to check something really quickly, okay? Yeah. Uh-oh. As to whether or not you're allowed to be mad at him, Darren, and you are, because <laughs> your Twitter profile picture, Darren, is a picture of you hosting the expansion draft. Is it really? By virtue of the words expansion draft. Vegas Golden Knights right behind you. So you you have you have Wait a minute, let me see. 60 <laughs> He doesn't believe you. No, cuz I I I spent That's so little time I'm looking staring right oh, at it. Oh, look there it is. Ow! Oh, he's got the cue cards. Nice time by the okay, way. Okay, thank you. So Darren, you have 60 seconds between <laughs> between now and the end of the show. You don't have to use it right now. You can use it during Catching up with Chapman, okay. keeping up with Chapman, whatever it is. It's going to be a good one. Too. You have sixty. You have sixty seconds to be mean to Chapman because I cannot believe he did not. He wasn't. That wasn't a bit. I can't believe well, that. Tells you how much time I spend looking at his Twitter profile. But here's the best part. It was. It was his nugget. That's the <laughs> well, best part. I, I it was, was his nugget. I was more concerned <laughs> with the substance and not so much with who mm-hmm. was delivering the substance. Hey, uh, you guys uh, following this whole Kirill Kaprizov, because we talked so much about him during the course of the season in Minnesota Wild in the uh, one-year-only West Division and then the first-round series and dynamic, easily the most dynamic player the Minnesota Wild franchise has ever had. He's uh, He needs a new contract, and apparently things have gone a little bit ice-cold Chapman, yeah, uh, Chapman's worried about this. 
No, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> but well, you, you brought it up to us. Yeah, well, I was only asking if you guys had been following it or if you had, you know, thoughts on it. I'm, listen, I, I read that the salary cap in the KHL is like $12 million. There's no way that this guy is going to turn down the amount of money that the Wild could give him to go back and play for CSKA Moscow. Uh, some of the Olympic uh, carrots have been dangled. That you go play for CSKA, yeah. you, you can go play in the Olympics. Right now, the National Hockey League doesn't have an agreement with the uh, IOC uh, to play in the Olympics. So they're uh, they're trying to uh, woo him that way. Uh, he is in Moscow, and he's uh, at a buddy's wedding. He was at a buddy's wedding, so that's why he was he was overseas. And he's Russian. Which also <laughs> makes sense why he would be in Russia, but uh, there's uh, there's some concern there. Uh, the other Stanley Cup semifinal, and this is the one year we can say that, where we we don't have to call it the uh, the Eastern Conference Final or the Western Conference Final. I love being yeah. able to say Stanley Cup semifinal. Uh, oh. Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders going at it right now, and it's two two in the series. The mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Lightning. Return home. It just like the Vegas Golden Knights have home ice advantage for two of the next three, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have scored on two of their first seven shots and lead it two nothing. Steven Stamkos, so one of those uh, goals. The captain, who's been a little bit criticized during this series, uh, coming up with a big early goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This series has gone back and forth, guys. Yeah, it has. Um, I still have hope that the Islanders can find uh, an answer. Probably not in the first period, but maybe in the second or third or something. Um, yeah, this, ser- this series has been fun. It- it's been good. I- I've liked a lot of what the Islanders have done uh, through four games. You know, you-, you look at game four between these two clubs. I thought Matt Martin was an absolute force. Um, Cal Clutterbuck was a pain in the butt to play against, and Matt Barzell is it continues to just kind of be a wizard with the puck. Um, but it takes a lot to put the Lightning away, and Andre Vasilevsky doesn't lose two games in a row in the playoffs. So um, it's not looking good for the Islanders in Game 5. This series has featured some nastiness, but also featured yeah. the save of the playoffs. And Ryan Pulak the other night uh, for the New York Islanders in ensuring a New York Islander win. Where does that rank in in what you've seen recently? Uh, Sliding behind uh, his goaltender and stopping the puck on the line uh, and taking it away from Ryan McDonough. So the Pulak save was awesome, and I think it was heightened because of the play that Ryan McDonough made to get the puck there. Like, I know we're all focused in on Pulak because he makes that save. He sells out. He finds a way uh, to get that puck and make sure that the the win is secured for the Islanders. But how about Ryan McDonough going with the spinorama and Semyon Varlamov just coming out and abandoning all hope? Like, that whole sequence was bananas. I uh, I couldn't believe that McDonough did it. Like, I, I was more shocked than <laughs> Varlamov was uh, when, he, when he pulled off the, uh, the old... Uh, uh, 
Spinorama and like Serge Savard or Denny Savard, but uh, Tampa Bay's flying in this one. Uh, other news to tell you about, uh, JT Brown has been hired by the Seattle Kraken as their first uh, TV analyst. So congratulations to JT Brown, who will work with John Forsland, uh, who's calling the Golden Knights series right now with uh, Joe Micheletti. So uh, that's, uh, that's great news from JT Brown. Uh, just retired, played uh, in Europe this year and is going to uh, start his career in the media. Good luck to him. Yeah, I think I think that's awesome. Um, I'm a big uh, John Forslund guy. I think he's just absolutely fantastic. So the Seattle Kraken games are going to sound um, incredible. And, you know, just it's exactly what you want to do. You want to make sure that you get your radio and TV staff all set before you name a coach. Uh, we can uh, also mention uh, on AM 1230, the game. The Islanders-Tampa Bay Lightning Series is being carried over there, home of the Henderson Silver Knights. And it's Dave Gosher calling those games on radio uh, with Dave Maloney. So I want to give give our buddy Gosh uh, a little bit of a plug uh, as well. Matt Nieto of the San Jose Sharks, a two-year contract to stay with San Jose. Financial terms, as per Sharks policy, not disclosed. Wow. Not surprised. Yeah. Uh, 28 years old. Uh, Interesting. I thought he might take a look, but uh, not uh, not going to begrudge him for that. Uh, Tom Curvers, 58 years old, uh, Minnesota Wild uh, assistant general manager, uh, passed away uh, after a battle with cancer. Uh, it's 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 great because there's some guys you meet through the course of uh, of working in this business and you get to know a little bit. I didn't know Tom Curvers very well. But the in reading uh, some of the tributes that have been put out today, what uh, like he had a wide, wide touch uh, in in the National Hockey League, in professional hockey. Yeah, I mean, from from all accounts, right? Like it's it seems like he's just been one of those guys that that everybody that he's come across in in professional hockey is is a better person because of their interactions and uh it's it's one of those things where um you just you're right you're you're for every story where where you get some hope due to uh, f- with with cancer mm-hmm. you you have one that, that kind of rips rips at the fabric there and it's it's a tough one it's it sucks i won a hobie baker award uh and was a stanley cup champion with the montreal canadians in 1986 and then uh, did some coaching and uh, was in management. Uh, worked for, uh, among other people, uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Steve Eisenman. Was also the radio analyst with the Phoenix Coyotes and also played one year in Japan. Did hmm. you know that, Chapman? Cebu? Oh, that's not too far from Tokyo. Okay. I did not know that. Cebu. I just wondered whether I was saying, uh, saying that correctly. Uh, so, yeah, you got uh, it. There was a tribute uh, to uh, Tom Kerbers, and uh, we send our thoughts uh, to uh, the Minnesota Wild and, and Tom Kerbers' uh, family. Uh, we've got uh, some planning to go ahead. Uh, General Manager of the Year to be announced on Tuesday. The General Manager of the Year candidates this year, Mark Bergevin, Lou Lamorello, and Bill Zito as the Tampa Bay Lightning take a 3 nothing lead on the New York Islanders. So Lou's not feeling very good right now. Uh, about that. Mark Bergevin hopes that he has uh, better luck tomorrow in Game 5. And Bill Zito of the Florida Panthers. Uh, Manager is different than Coach of the Year. 
and and is is definitely evaluated much differently. And you're allowed to vote a little bit deeper into the playoffs. The other the other awards are all at the end of the regular season. In fact, Rod Brindamore told me today. I had a chat with him on for the Chirp podcast. Uh, he said it should be called the Coach of the Year for the regular season award. <laughs> because he said, I feel kind of sheepish getting the award uh, and, and we're not playing anymore. <laughs> and, and, and some of the other people, people are. So uh, this is, uh, there's some influence uh, on the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you can see that because of Bergevin, Lou Lamorello, uh, who are up for the award. Uh, who do you think gets the GM of the Year award? The Jim Gregory award, by the way. Um, I'm going to go with Bergevin. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's the only analysis I have because of the flair that he's got. I mean, come on. Two two totally different. By the way, if we're talking Lamorello he's and Bergevin, yeah, we're talking Bergevin and Lamorello. Two <laughs> totally different personalities. Like it's it's the lettuce. It's the it's the bodybuilding mystique. Like. It's it's Mark the Bergen. suits on, everything what we, and Lou. What are we doing here? Yeah, and Lou, you don't even like if you don't want to notice Lou, you don't notice Lou. If if yeah. Lou wants to be heard, you'll hear him. But two very very different personalities. Uh, Lou Lamorello and company uh, have uh, made a goaltending change as Semyon Varlamov is out uh, of the goal for the time being, as the Tampa Bay Lightning take a three nothing series lead. Crazy how it can change, right? From from one game, one period. Tampa Bay doesn't get that play on the goal line, and you wonder if the New York Islanders are going to be able to turn that into uh, some kind of run in the other direction. And Tampa Bay just comes right back in the first period tonight of Game 5 and have taken control. But uh, those are your one-timers for this Monday, June on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Golden Knights playing game five tomorrow, T-Mobile Arena. Game six Thursday in Montreal. And Friday is wide open from a Golden Knights perspective, so you can maybe go check out Brad Paisley. If you are a fifth caller right now and a seventh caller uh, in just a little bit, 702-876-1340. If you want to see Brad Paisley at the win, we have two pairs of tickets uh, standing by. And uh, if, if it rings just a little bit, just know we'll get to it because Chapman's doing double duty right now because he's got catching up with Chapman. Yeah, by the way, former player of the Prince Cebu Rabbits is what they're called. Cebu Prince Rabbits. Yutaka Fukafuji, a name Ryan may be familiar with. Hmm. I think my buddy Jamie McLennan played for them too. I don't know. I'll check. So uh, big shout out, Katie Grimes. Maybe you don't know the name. You will, especially if you are going to be watching the Olympics. 15-year-old from Las Vegas qualified in the women's 800 meters swimming event finished second to Katie Ledecky so apparently if your name's Katie you're going to be a very good swimmer but uh yeah so she finishes second she will be a member of the US <laughs> Olympic team that will head to Tokyo very soon but uh oh, congratulations to I Katie Grimes swim this weekend and it was like crazy Ledecky was like she is the rock star no, it's like she's on another planet she's she's like what did she win by six seconds or something? Awesome. The only race is, is her against her own world records, it seems. Ledecky or Grimes? Ledecky. Okay. Yeah. Because Katie Ledecky called Grimes the rock star. Yeah. She said she's 
I think Grimes was said she was the future, and Ledecky's mm -hmm. like, no, you are the present. You are ready to rock. Uh, don't you have phones to answer right now? I do, yes. Yeah, the so fifth and the seventh. Fifth callers, and seventh, okay? but I only have, I have to make sure we transition to the end of the... Ryan, this is where I'm supposed to make fun of him. Yes, you should. <laughs> for not Go knowing, for it, buddy. For not knowing, but you... I can't because he did such a good job bringing in Bob and Doug McKenzie. That, uh, I'll that have I'm to bring so in more. Of that. Yeah, do that. Uh, we have uh, we have Game 5 tomorrow night, T-Mobile Arena, the BGK Insider Show. We'll be live at T-Mobile Arena. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 o'clock.